Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. I want us to pause just a moment and remember who's saying these words. These are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Recently, I say recently, it's back in the 90s, they made an interesting discovery. Up until then, they had thought that uh, the Gospel of Matthew wasn't really recorded till over a hundred years after his after the death of Jesus, they have found parchment uh, segments of parchment now that date back to sixty A.D., uh, which means within thirty years of Jesus' death, they already had the Gospel of Matthew written out. So we know that these words were eyewitness accounts. These aren't just uh, uh, something that people people want to think that the Bible is a bunch of myths made up long after Jesus left the face of this earth. These are eyewitness accounts. This is the recorded account of Matthew, the tax collector. These are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And his words are words of warning. And they are words that we need to take seriously this morning. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way broad that leads to destruction. You know, warnings are very important. We need to pay attention to them, don't we? Whenever uh, uh, your smoke detector goes off, you know that it's not really the timer going off and that whatever you're cooking is done, right? For some people, that's their, that they use that as their timer. But uh, for whenever the smoke detector goes off, it doesn't mean the toast is ready. It means there's something wrong and it needs to be taken care of. If the light on your dashboard comes on, I'm talking about the red light, not the yellow light. You know, whenever the red light comes on, that means you better pull over quick or your engine's going to be toast. If the yellow light comes on, eh, you know, you can drive several years with that yellow light on and not pay any attention to it, right? If they ever switch out the color of that yellow light, we're all in trouble. And the auto dealers are going to be doing a lot of business replacing engines because that red light is a warning that needs to be heeded. I would think that any warnings that we got from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would be warnings that we would need to take seriously. And yet I'm afraid that not many people take warnings seriously anymore. They don't take this warning seriously anyway. Uh, Whenever it comes to choosing the way to get to heaven. There only, there's only one. There are two ways that lead to God. There's the right way and the wrong way. One way you become before God as Savior and Lord, Redeemer, 
and you get to fellowship with him forever. The other way you come before him as the righteous judge who has made clear that he is not going to let you in unless you've come by the narrow way. It's a sad thing that there's so many people in our culture that are choosing the wrong way. They don't want to accept that there's only one way to get into heaven. Now, Burger King picked up on this in our culture some time back where they said, have it your way. That became a catchy, catchy phrase. And yet so many people in our country today and in the world today and sad to say even in churches today think that they can have it their way. They doesn't have to be God's way. That they uh, can have it their way and that all paths lead to heaven. Like I said, all paths lead to God, either as judge or as savior, but not all paths lead to heaven. Only one path leads to heaven, and we need to be aware of that, and that is what Jesus is warning us of today. In fact, he goes on, and right below that he talks about beware of false prophets. Beware of those people who are going to tell you that the broad way is okay. Beware of those people. Remember, there's only one way. Uh, there's been, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to try not to talk about candidates, but there's something that came out of this election process uh, in the last couple of weeks where uh, the Pope was accused of uh, calling one of the candidates unchristian. Uh, something about building walls or something like that. And there was a response to that that really got my attention. And it was uh, a, a response that was uh, in the Huffington Post. And I want to find it uh, because this, this guy was responding to uh, what Pope Francis had said. And he says, and the thing is, he could very well speaking of, be speaking of the United Methodist Church as well. That's just it. Francis and his church have built great walls to block our subjectivity and personal agency. They have restrained our human and civil rights. The Catholic Church constructs barriers while speaking in doublespeak, saying, we love you, we welcome you, we offer you Christian love, and we are here to help you change your unwanted attractions and gender identities and expressions, which we, by the way, construct as gravely and intrinsically disordered and incongruent with Catholic teaching. Now, what really interests me in this is the words subjectivity and personal agency. Subjectivity is, uh, it means that it's all up to us in what we think and what we feel and how we want things to be, our opinions. And the thing is, uh, this is the way the world is going and what political correctness is forcing us into is uh, subjectivity. That uh, and, and personal agency means that you choose your own path, you choose your own way, you make up your own mind about how you think the world is, 
And that's what you live out of. So that subjectivity and personal agency. I guess the poster child for this in today's society would be Bruce Jenner, who wants to be called Caitlin now, because he's decided that in his heart, he's a woman. Well, but the thing is, that's not so. Objectively, he is a man. And he's going to stay a man, even if he has operations to change that, he will still be a man, no matter how many times he tells you that he feels like he's a woman. Biologically, he is a man. Now, the reason why I bring this up, because you see in the world today, people are saying, well, if he feels like he's a woman, then he's a woman. And now that they're wanting to open up restrooms to for women to go into men's dressing room, I mean, men into women's dressing rooms and in high school, I've, I read this past week, they, some school has made it where uh, some guys that choose to feel like to, to be girls can go into the girls' dressing room. Uh, but let's, let's, let's just see, you see, if there's no objective criteria, if there's nothing for the outside, if it's all up to you and you can deny reality with your actions and all, and everybody's supposed to say, okay, if that's the way he sees it, what is it next for chronology to come into it? If biology isn't considered as a factor, why not chronology? Why can't Bruce Jenner decide that he's not just a woman, he's a 14-year-old girl, and decide that he wants to get back in high school and be a cheerleader? What's to keep that from happening? Do you see, if you take these things, to, and it's step by step by step, and is everybody going to go along with that, and should they? Well, the thing is, we don't have to worry about that because we know the answer, because we know the truth. And that we know that there is such a thing as objective truth. And so all this stuff is just insanity. Let's face it. And our world is just going that way. That is the broad way, people. That's the broad way that Jesus is talking about. And there are a lot of people that are on that path and just skipping along and they're heading the wrong way. Well, I'm just going to have to stop talking about that. But broad is the way, and uh, there are so many other things that feed into this. But there's so many things that uh, are just that, that we, we tell each other. That uh, I remember I was uh, getting ready for a medical procedure, and I was uh, laying on this gurney in this little, you know, there's one of these things where they had you in this little just curtained-off area, and I was laying there very quiet, waiting for the doctors and everybody to come in. They just left me there. These people came in the next little curtained area next to me. They didn't know I was laying there. So I got to literally be a fly on the wall and listen to their conversation. And they talked about they'd had a buddy that had died. And then they started talking about the afterlife and how, you know, I'm not really into this Christian stuff, but, you know, I believe there is something after and yeah, 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 yeah. And they were, it was so sad listening to them. Uh, these people, uh, they believed, yeah, I think there's something there. We all going to, it's going to be good for everybody and all. 
and they were living and walking in the broad way. There's a folk religion that calls itself Christianity in our world today that has nothing to do with the truth of the word of God. And Jesus says, beware of the false prophets. I tell you, if anything that I tell you does not line up with scripture, call me on it. Because I live out of this. I preach out of this. Because I have discovered that this is true. And thousands and hopefully millions before me have discovered the same thing. And so uh, he says, don't enter through the wide gate, but enter through the narrow gate. He says that the way, the wide way leads to destruction. Reminds me of a uh, story I read the other day about a, uh, a general who was, uh, 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 well, there's a young officer who was uh, working late at the Pentagon one evening, and he came out of his office about 8 p.m., and he sees a general standing by the classified document shredder in the hallway, and he has a piece of paper in his hand. And the general asks him, do you know how to work this thing? My secretary's gone home, and I don't know how to run it. Yes, sir, said the young officer, and he turns to the machine, takes the paper from the general, and he feeds it in. And then the general says, now, I just need one copy. Well, the thing is, both of these men made some assumptions that turned out to be wrong. If we just live by assumptions instead of heeding God's word, we can wind up in a whole lot of trouble. And so it's important that we heed the Lord's words. People don't want to hear this about the one way leading to destruction. They don't want to hear about destruction, and yet Jesus is the one that said it. But he talks about another way. He talks about another way, and it's a narrow way. He says, and few find it. Few find the narrow way. But just because the way is narrow, doesn't mean that it isn't good. And just because the way is narrow doesn't mean it isn't sweet. It's precious. You see, the gate into the narrow way was forged with blood and sweat and tears and the wood of a cross. The one who is urging us to take the narrow way is the one who made the narrow way and is the one who says, first of all, I am the door. I am the gate to the sheepfold. He's the one that said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You see, God loves everyone that's in the right, the broad way. He doesn't loathe those that are taking the wrong path, but he calls them to get on the right path. 
Peter tells us that uh, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise to come back and and, and, and just totally redo the world and to get rid of everything that's wrong in it and every one that's wrong in it and to establish a new heaven and a new earth. He says he's not slack concerning his promise, but he's patient toward us, not desiring one to perish. It's not God's will that one perish. And that's why he sent his son. And let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He made that way. He loves those that are on the broad way. And he calls them to the narrow way. Well, like I said, it's a sweet way. It's a wonderful way. I had a friend, he's still a dear friend, that I met, first of all, when I was in a counseling class. And uh, we met, we got to be friends before he knew what I did for a living. And, uh, when he discovered that I was a pastor, he said, you know, I have been on a uh, path and I'm, I'm glad to know you because, and he went ahead and he shared how he had grown up in church. He had grown up uh, 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 knowing the Lord. And then after he got out of school, he drifted far, far away. And just like the prodigal son, he came to himself one day. He was destroying himself. He was destroying the people around him. And he thought that he was too far gone to ever make it into heaven. But it dawned on him that his life was so much better when he was living for the Lord. And he came to the same conclusion that the prodigal son came to that if he could just be a servant in his father's house, it would be better than the where he was right then. David says it in a different way. He says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Well, he came to that place and he he got his life straightened out and he was on a spiritual journey. And he was finding that living life the right way was better. But he wanted to be involved in church. And he said, you know, I I don't think I'll ever be really acceptable to God. But if I could just be in church, it would be better. If I could just serve in some way and make some good in this world instead of bad, it'd be better. And so he said, you think it'd be okay if I came to your church? I said, you come on. You come on. He started coming and he discovered just like the prodigal son did. You start heading toward the father. He runs to meet you. Well, he found the Lord again, we'll say, and he began to walk with him. And uh, after I moved away, I got a call one day 
said, hey, how do you go about uh, campaigning for a lay leader in the church? And uh, I said, I laughed. I said, Charlie, you're not going to have to campaign much. You, you did, I bet if you just went and told the preacher you want to be lay leader, you'd wind up being regulator before you could turn around. It's not a job everybody's just really wanting to do. And so he did. Next thing you know, this guy that thought we would never be acceptable to God and thought that he might mess up a church if he ever stepped inside wound up being the lay leader of his church. Well, the thing is, the way is narrow, but the way is precious. The way is sweet because the way is our Lord. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, Jesus says. He's the only way. Well, I ran, you know, Valentine's Day wasn't long ago. And I'm always reminded of a story about little Timmy whenever Valentine's Day comes up. Little Timmy kind of reminds me of me when I was a kid. He uh, wound up, uh, whenever they would choose sides for kickball or something like that, he'd be the, always the last one chosen. Uh, when all the other kids were in uh, groups doing things, little Timmy was usually over on one side doing something else. And whenever the kids would be walking home from the bus from school, his mom was always hoping, maybe Timmy will have some friends. You know, maybe maybe somebody will take him into their group. But Timmy would be there coming home from school, little gaggle of kids here, gaggle of kids there. Here's little Timmy just kicking a rock along. Well, Valentine's Day came up. And all the kids were supposed to, it was time to exchange Valentines. And little Timmy was so excited about Valentines. He wanted to make sure that everybody in his class had a Valentine. And so he and his mom uh, went to the store and he picked out the Valentines for each one of his classmates. And then uh, he wrote their name on each one. And he put the, the Valentines in, he sealed them, and he went off just so joyfully to school the next morning. And he was so happy. And during the day, Timmy's mama had a horrible thought. What if nobody cares enough about Timmy to give him a Valentine? And that sense of foreboding just began to grow. She wanted good for her little boy so much. And so she went ahead. She decided she better be ready to ease the pain. So she made some fresh cookies and had a glass of milk ready whenever she heard the bus pull up outside. And she was thinking, maybe whenever they got their Valentine from Timmy, maybe they brought him in. They looked at, she looked out. Here's a little gaggle of kids here, little gaggle of kids there, kids there. And little Timmy's just walking along, kicking a rock along as he's heading home. He comes in, and his mom just 
holding her breath almost, taking a deep breath, said, Well, how did it go? And he looked at her and he said, Not a one, Mom. Not a one. I did not miss a one. (laughs) And he was so thrilled that he didn't leave anybody out. Well, you know, after our Lord made his trip here to earth, he got back to heaven. I'm sure that's the way that he felt as he came into the presence of our Heavenly Father. Not a one, Dad. Not a one. I did not miss a one. And he did not. There was a place on the cross for you. And there was a place on the cross for each one that's on the broad way. We need to make sure that those who are on the broad way learn about the narrow way. It's so much sweeter. It's so much more wonderful. It brings fellowship with the Lord now and life eternal. We remember this morning that he didn't miss a one of us 